There's this massive, like, old Baptist church Bible right up here. Reminds me of my childhood. Um, If we have never met, my name is uh, Justin. I am the guy leading the church planting team to Austin. Uh, And, yeah. And um, I'm excited to be here. I I, um, have been at College Gathering just a little bit less this semester than I was in the past few semesters. And um, we kind of miss being around here, my family and I. But uh, I'm excited to be here tonight and also kind of a little little sad. And the reason why is that unless something crazy happens, this is my last time to preach at College Gathering at Redeemer Church. And, uh, and that, that kind of makes me just a, just a little bit sad, um, but it's for a good reason. It's because in uh, December, uh, me and uh, Ryan and our families, are, we are headed to Austin to begin the work, although the work has really already begun. Many of you in here are a part of it. Um, but to begin the work of planting what we know now as New City Church of Austin. And uh, yeah, and it's a cool thing. It's a very cool thing. We actually have, you won't, you, you won't believe this, there's actually a team of Austinites. So people who have not moved from somewhere else to Austin in order to plant New City Church. There's a bunch of you guys who are um, exploring that idea, committed to that idea. Um, people have already moved to Austin in order to help us plant this church. But here's what I want you to know is that there are people who are from Austin, who were already there, who are forming and gathering every week as a a part of what is going to become New City Church. Like, that's not normal. God is doing something really cool through Redeemer Church, through this college ministry, um, through the people involved. He is already, Jesus is planting a church in Austin, and and he's invited me along for the ride. And here's how I know that. Lead planter, not even there yet, and the church is already forming. Right, and so I'm going to get there and be like, "Hey, um, what's up? I'm Justin. I'm I'm actually the lead lead pastor here." And they're going to be like, "Nah, man, we've been doing this without you. You could go back to Lubbock if you want, you know." And, and so that's a really, really, really cool thing um, uh, that Jesus is up to. And so I just wanted to share that because you have a part to play in that, whether you're on our cohort or whether you are, um, uh, uh, you know, a freshman or or whatever. If you're a part of this college ministry, you have made that happen. You have been a part. God has used you in order uh, to plant a a new work in a city that needs more new gospel-centered works. And so I just want to thank you uh, for that, and and I want you to kind of realize that. I wanted to share that story um, with you. If you are, uh, if you've been here uh, for a little bit this semester, you know we are in the middle of uh, a series through the Gospel of John and specifically through um, Jesus's I Am statements in the Gospel of John. This is um, the John, um, a disciple of Jesus. This is um, his way of, um, with Jesus's words, telling us who Jesus is. And so if you wanted to hear about who Jesus is from the mouth of Jesus, this is the series for you. These are the texts for you. And we've done a bunch of them and and I've got um, a good one. I've got one of my favorites, one that is near and dear to my heart that Brandon um, assigned me. And, um, And that is, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says about himself, I am the good shepherd. And if you have not been around church, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that might be a very weird statement. In fact, probably all of these every week have been weird things. Like you don't run into people who just walk around saying, I am random metaphor. 
Like you, 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 don't, you, don't, you, you don't meet people like that. And so this may be a little weird for you. So just, just hang in there. Please um, stick it out. I promise it's going to make sense. In fact, I think at the end of this, you're gonna think like Jesus is a genius. You're gonna think like this might've been the smartest man who ever lived. And, um, and I would agree with you on that. Um, for many of you, uh, you're familiar with the Bible. Um, you have heard this, the text that we're gonna read. You've heard this phrase, I am the good shepherd. Jesus as a shepherd, that metaphor is very familiar to you. And you probably are in danger of taking it for granted, that you've heard it so many times that uh, maybe you have lost a sense of, or maybe never had a sense of the implications of what it means that Jesus is a shepherd and that Jesus is the good shepherd. And, and so I want to kind of give us a little bit of background. I want to um, take us to a place, um, mentally speaking, so that we can kind of understand what Jesus is saying in the passage that we're going to read. Because as I've already mentioned, it's really not normal talk. And even sp- specifically, especially in our day and age, um, uh, this, this is going to um, not compute. This is going to, to not make sense unless we get ourselves in the frame of mind um, that, that um, is that, that Jesus' original listeners um, would have had. And so here, here's what I mean. There is an ancient idea, a very, very old idea, that people are like sheep. Okay, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very old, ancient idea. It, it predates Jesus. Um, some of you who are familiar with your Bible know Psalm 23, written um, way before Jesus comes, and, and this kind of idea that, that um, people are like sheep and are in need of a shepherd is uh, a very common and ancient idea throughout um, history. And, and, and for many, uh, uh, they've kind of, you'll hear preachers say this. If you've been around church, you've probably heard this. Like they'll talk about how when, when the ancient idea of like people are like sheep, what it means is like people are stupid because sheep are stupid. And, and that's actually really not exactly what the metaphor really means, though sheep really are stupid. Um, uh, they are dumb animals. They are not intelligent. I've seen a, um, a video of a sheep walking off a cliff and uh, falling to its death and then being followed by another sheep that's going say, hey, I don't, where'd he go? I don't know, let's go look. And then fell off and then uh, fell to his death and then eventually the last sheep fell and was totally fine because he fell on a pile of dead wool, right? And, and so, like, sheep are not smart, but that's not really the point of saying that people are like sheep. God, when he says people are like sheep, is not saying that people are stupid. He is saying that people are like sheep because they need a direction to go, they need a flock to belong to, they need a um, a, a provision of protection and um, their basic needs, and they need someone to uh, uh, supply that for them, and they need um, a, 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 um, a, a, a wholeness, a completeness. They need to be protected, they need to be provided for. Basically, human beings, people, you and I, are in need of a shepherd. It's a basic reality of how humans are. And here's the thing. This is why this might not compute. This is why it might not make sense to you. Because you and I were raised in a culture that actually um, says the exact opposite of that. Uh, We have been raised in a culture that says that for people to be like sheep is a bad thing. That people, human beings, are not supposed to be like sheep. 
if, you are, if you're going to be like a sheep, then that is bad. You, the ultimate goal, our culture would say, is that you need to be able to find truth. You need to be able to find what you believe, how you should behave, who you are, what is true of the world. You need to be able to find that on your own, and it's found from within you. And if you need a shepherd, it's because you are ignorant. It's because you are uh, um, uh, um, easily manipulated. It's because you are um, um, kind of, well, we even have a term for it, sheeple right? Like you, you, you've, we've all got that friend. I don't know if, if you guys do or whatever. Like I, I have follow, I follow people on, on Instagram and, and stuff like that who are, you know, really into these conspiracy theories. I've got these friends. Maybe you've got one who's, who's like always like, man, yeah, that's so, such and such pol- politician, such and such government leader, man, they're all out to get us, man. They're a part of this secret society of all these evil rich people and stuff like that. And they're all just leading the world. And, and when no one knows, all these sheeple are completely ignorant to it, right? Like you've heard that, right? And, and, and so they, they think for them in their minds, there's, there's something to be learned. There's something true about the world or true about who they are. And, and they've arrived, they've figured it out because they have um, been removed. They've been able to separate themselves. They've been, rid, rid, been able to get rid of all the influences and authority structures and whatever were keeping them down who were keeping them ignorant to the fact of, of the reality, whatever reality is that they um, believe is, is true. You, you get what I'm saying? And, and it's not just the conspiracy theorists. That's kind of the stream, like um, kind of nut job example that we can easily use. But, um, but here's the deal. It's, it's very normal for folks uh, my age, for folks your age, um, to operate this way. That, that, that we, we have been taught that the authority structures in our society that, that you grew up with, that the folks who would tell you what to believe, tell you how to behave, tell you how the world works or who you are, that they, they have just been keeping you down. The shepherds in your life have just been keeping you down. And um, the real goal, the, how you know you've become truly human or, or what humans should be is that you've been able to remove those influences from your life. You've been able to remove the authority figures and structures from your life. You've been able to separate yourself from tradition and you've been able to figure out all those answers on your own, somehow from within you. And so now you are free. Now you are free to think how you want to behave, how you want to live the life that you want to be whoever you feel you are because you don't have any more influence over your life from the outside. And, and actually, Ryan and I, um, if, you, if you haven't met Ryan, you should. He's, he's on our Austin team. He's awesome. Um, uh, Ryan and I were actually talking. We, we go way back. Um, he's actually my brother-in-law, married to my sister. And so we've got a lot of mutual friends. And we, we were actually talking on the ride home from a conference in Dallas uh, about um, friends of ours that we have seen over time uh, start to post things on social media or start to say things like, um, and, and of course they don't word it this way, but it, it's always to the effect of, you know, I grew up around this name authority structure, or I grew, I grew up around this tradition, or I grew up around this influence, and, and, and all the time while I was under that influence, while I was under that authority, where the people were telling me what to believe, who I am, how the world works, or whatever, um, I wasn't able to really find the truth, um, but now that I am free of influence... Now that I am free of all authority over my life, now that I am free over people telling me what to believe and how to behave and who I am and how the world works, now that I'm free of all that, I'm ready to announce that I now believe or I am or whatever 
and it just so happens that what they announce they believe or who they are or the way the world works or whatever just so happens to match the exact popular opinion of our culture. They're free from influence. And, and, and so here's the thing. That the idea that, that hum, humans are supposed to be able to, um, to be free from something that would guide them, free from authority, free from uh, influence, free from any kind of uh, uh, authority structure or tradition, that idea that you can find truth about how the world works and, and who you are and all that stuff, that idea that that can come from within and that you don't need somebody on the outside to help guide you there um, um, is actually a very new and untested idea. It's very new and untested. Throughout all of history, the most common idea about who humans are related to this is that humans are like sheep in need of some sort of authority structure, in need of somebody to provide, in need of somebody to guide, in need of someone to give them what they need and to take them where they need to go. That's been the, the, the old and ancient idea of who, how humans are. And it's certainly the biblical idea. I would submit to you that you are like a sheep, meaning that you need a shepherd. But actually, it goes beyond that. I would submit to you, I would argue, and I think Jesus is arguing in the passage we're about to read, that it's not just that you need a shepherd. It's that whether you know it or like it or not, you have a shepherd or shepherds. That you have those figures in your life, those entities, whether it be um, uh, uh, people in your life, authority figures in your life, traditions, um, ideas, ideologies, um, uh, uh, alignment with certain tribes, whatever it is, like you have shepherds in your life, things, people that you are allowing to um, guide you, to lead you, that you're depending on for provision of what you need, um, to, you're depending on for, for leading you to like how the world works, who you are, what is true, what is not true, how you should behave, that kind of stuff. I would argue with you, it's not just that you need a shepherd, it's that you have shepherds in your life. You are following something. And what Jesus is gonna argue in our passage that we read here in just a second is that he is the good shepherd. He is the only one who will provide everything that you need. And so let's, let's open up. If you've got your Bible, turn to John 10. You can turn to John 10. Jesus, Jesus is in the, in the middle of a, a huge conversation. If you've got one of those old traditional Bibles like, like this one, this one got the red letters in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you got an old Bible like this one, um, there's going to be a lot of red on your page. Jesus is doing a lot of talking, and, um, and he's, we're picking this conversation up in the middle, um, but he says this very interesting thing. He says this very interesting thing. He says, he says in John 10, starting in verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I 
know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And so Jesus right here is saying, hey, listen, there are shepherds in the world. There are so-called shepherds in the world. People who are, follow, are, who are calling you to follow them like a shepherd calls a sheep. And people that you could decide to follow or things or ideologies, whatever it is. There are shepherds out there that are calling you to follow them. And, and like a sheep, you can choose to follow them. And in the ancient world, in Jesus' time, you know, it's, a, it's an agricultural culture, like it is um, uh, very much like farmland and pastures and sheep and, and shepherds are a very common thing. And so in the village, what would happen is that a bunch of shepherds who owned flocks, who had different um, flocks of, of sheep, who looked after flocks of sheep or hired hands, um, as Jesus um, calls them, if they didn't own the sheep, uh, they would all store their sheep in one giant pen, like in a village. And so like a bunch of people's sheep, a different flocks, different shepherds' sheep would all be in the same pen at night and, and, and maybe somebody's watching over them or, or whatever, but, but in the morning when it's time to take the sheep out of the pen and to guide them, um, each shepherd would go to those sheep and he would call those sheep's names. He, he, would, he would say like, hey sheep, hey, I don't know what they named sheep back in the, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if it was like we do dog names or if it was like more like Jewish names. I have no idea. If it's like, hey Baxter, come here boy. And a sheep is like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, I have no idea. But, but he, he calls these sheep by name and each sheep, actually, this is how like sheep are dumb, but like not, not as dumb as we think. Um, sheep would actually follow um, the voice of their shepherd. They would recognize the voice of their shepherd and they would follow that shepherd out. And so the picture here that Jesus is implying that if you're listening to him in the first century that you can see is a, a picture of a bunch of different shepherds or hired hands who are around the sheep pen calling for sheep. And they're saying something that we all know Jesus has said, follow me, follow me. Hey, hey sheep, follow me. Hey sheep, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And you're in, you're in the pen in Jesus's story. You're in the pen and, and you've got choices to make. You've got choices to make on, on what shepherd you're going to follow. And Jesus is going to argue that he is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And in this story, there's only one good shepherd. And every other so-called shepherd is a hired hand. They're not the real thing. And, and here's, here's, you know, there, there are lots of things. There are lots of things that you can follow in this world like a sheep follows a shepherd. There are lots of things that are calling you to, and saying, follow me and, and, and making promises. We're gonna talk about those promises in just a second. There's lots of things. It can be another leader or an influencer or a teacher. It can be a pastor. You can, you can follow church leaders like you should follow Jesus. And, and you can put that on, like just warning you, Christian, like you can follow church leaders in a way that really should be reserved for following Jesus. Because that church leader, his job, her job, is only to point you to the real shepherd. And if, if you make them the shepherd, they can't deliver on the promises that shepherds make. But you can be a leader, influence teacher. It can be plenty of people that come saying that they're worth following. We're, I mean, like, that's, that's, a, that's a word for our, like, cultural moment, right? For your entire lifetime, the word follow I think there are two times in, the, in all of history, 
where the word follow was used as much as it is now. Now, in the social media age, and when rabbis were recruiting disciples in Jesus' day. Like, those are the two times where you've got follow, follow, follow. There's lots of people, people with their influence on Instagram, social media, be real, whatever it is, follow me, follow me, follow me. It can be a worldview. It can be a political ideology that you're committed to. There are lots of different ways you could choose to view yourself in the world that you can commit to, that you could follow like a sheep follows a shepherd. It could be money. You can depend on money to do the things that only a shepherd can do. It could be fame. It could be power. It could be comfort. It could be maintaining an image or a reputation. It could be performing well so that your good will outweigh your bad. You can actually make your, your, your ability, your um, desire to, to, to do more good than bad and to perform well and to, to earn some sense of moral standing or something like that, like to earn some sort of righteousness. Um, like you can turn that into your shepherd. You can put all of your hope, all your chips in on that. You know, it could, it could um, be a, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It could be a parent. You can, without even knowing it, Devote your entire life to pleasing and depending on a parent. You can, you, can, you can make a lot of things your so-called shepherd. Some people will turn to things like alcohol, drugs, porn, sex. They'll turn to these things to provide what only a shepherd can, can, can provide. There are lots of so-called shepherds out there. And what Jesus is saying in the passage we just read is that he is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And everyone else who would say, follow me, is a hired hand. They're not the real thing. So what, what does he mean by that? You know, like, what, like, like what, what, where are we going with this? Like, how do, we, how do we determine the difference between the good shepherd and the hired hand? Because, you know, like, we're, we're in this sheep pen, and we've got a lot of voices calling our name. We've got a lot of um, uh, so-called shepherds, would-be shepherds, who are saying, follow me, come here. Follow me, you know, and, 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 and they're making promises. They're making promises. And there's actually um, four promises that I think Jesus talks about here in, in this passage um, that, that all shepherds generally make. And I think as we go through these, you're going to understand just from your experience. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I can see. I can see that the so-called shepherds, the hired hands, that all, all shepherds, all people who would say, follow me, they make these promises, right? And so we've got, we got four up here. The, the first one. The first promise that shepherds make is a direction to go, right? You can see that image, right, with the shepherd saying, hey, follow me. Um, and the sheep are like, okay, we'll go, right? And, and the promise here, the promise is, is like, I'll take you places, right? You want fame and fortune? I'll take you there. You, you want to you look good? I'll take you there. You want to be successful? You want to climb the, the corporate ladder? I'll take you there. You want to climb the social ladder. You want influences. I don't know about you, but the amount of like, I think they're robots. I don't really know who like um, uh, DM me on Instagram saying, bro, if you give me this amount of money, I'll give you a billion followers right now. And I'm like, that's not possible. Right? And and so like that fame, there's people saying, hey, I'll take you places. I'll, I'll take you to where you want to go. That image that you have in your head. Like when you close your eyes and you think, what, what, is, what is life? Like where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? There are so-called shepherds out there who know exactly how to get you to buy their thing so that you will believe that they will take you to that place. Like, like, like they, they were making that promise, I will take you there. 
I will take you there. And they're, they're over here um, giving you a direction to go. And, and here's the deal. This is a deep need, all, all four of these. I'll repeat this over and over again. This is a deep need for humans. You need this. It's not just like a, a, a thing that people are like offering that you don't really need. You know, it's not like, you know, most of the products that we own, you know, where you see the commercial and they're like, have you ever, you know, like you've seen the infomercial where everything's in black and white and like there's like these old people like cutting themselves on this weird tool that like nobody uses and they're like, ah, or like the, the, the trash bag rips when they throw like one banana peel in it and you're like, oh, trash bags, they make my life so inconvenient. And you're like, that's never happened to me ever. Like, it's not that. You do need this. You do need this. You need a direction to go. You, you do need this. You need this deeply. And people will promise you it. Shepherds will promise you it. The second thing that all shepherds promise is a people to belong to. And, and, and this uh, most likely looks like, I'll give you a name. I'll give you a name. And, and here's, here's what that means. Much of your behavior as a human being, much of our behavior as human beings is simply searching for belonging. Like if you, wanted to, if you wanted to narrow down a whole lot of what motivates what you do on a regular basis, it's an effort to belong to a people. It is a deep, deep need that you and I have. One of our greatest needs is to love and to be loved, to know and to be known. You need that intimacy. You need that belonging in your life. And we will do a whole lot of things to attach ourselves to something that we can belong to. And we, we will give ourselves a name, a people to call our own. And, and so we'll say like, you know, I'm a Republican or I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I'm a progressive. I'm a conservative. I'm an American. I'm a Smith. Like I, I'm like, you know, like, you know, the dads are like, that's not what Smiths do. This is why Smiths act. Like you have a family, you have a family name and you have a certain belonging and it's not bad. You need this but we will do a lot of things. You might say, I'm a Texan. You might say, I'm a Red Raider. You might say, I'm a Shap. You might say that I'm a, a, a Bucks. I'm a Bucks guy. I'm a brother under Christ. Right? I'm going for you guys now. You might say, you're a Kappa Sig. That's what I was. I wasn't a Christian in college. Just kidding, jeez. You might say I'm a pie fi. You might say, like you might say all these different things. You, like there, we, we love to attach ourselves and it's not bad. None of that is bad unless you're depending on it to provide what only a shepherd can provide. You know, you might say I'm his. I'm hers. And, and you, you are craving that belonging. I'm a part of this people. I belong to them, and they belong to me. And you, and you, are, you are searching, and you are, you are going after that sense of belonging, and you're, you're looking for it. And, and here's the deal. You're still looking. Right? You're still looking. What do you think motivates you to be on that dating app? For many of you, it's a sense of belonging. 
What do you think motivates you to send pictures of yourself that others just ought not to see? What do you, what, what do, you think motivates you to do that? I'm not, I'm not coming down on you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. Lord knows I've made st- mistakes like that. But as an older brother, now that I'm kind of getting older, as almost like a father figure, not that old yet, I just, I just want to ask that question. What do you think motivates you to do that? Could it be that? Could it be a sense of belonging that you need and you're searching for, and you've got shepherds calling you, you've got hired hands calling you going, I can provide that for you. I'll give you a people to belong to. I'll give you a name. It's a real need that you have. The third thing that all shepherds promise and a thing that we really need is security. So the promise would be, I'll protect you. I'll protect you. One of the great idols and illusions of our day, especially in, in Western society and in American society, is um, security. We're real big on security. You'll hear a lot on the news about national security. Almost all of 24-hour news is about security, mostly trying to make you afraid about how unsecure you are um, and, and stuff. But like they, they, it's all about security. It's one of the great idols and illusions of our day. We want security financially. We want security physically. We want security um, in our relationships. Some of you are in relationships right now that you ought not to be in and you won't get out of it because it provides that sense of security. And you are afraid of the lack of security that you might have when you don't have that person or when that person is not around. Some of you are afraid of what might be going on behind your back when it comes to friend groups and when it comes to relationships. You, you, you struggle, you're constantly thinking, what are they doing without me? Like, what are they talking about me? Is he talking to other girls? Is she talking to other guys? You're, it, it, that is plaguing your mind. That is like an obsession of yours. It is constantly going through your head and it causes you to have trouble in relationships and stuff like that. Where does that come from? It comes from a deep need and longing for security. And listen, a lot of you, a lot of you struggle with security and it's not really because of your choices. It it may be a little bit, I don't want to like um, get rid of all responsibility on, on your end, but it's, it's a lot of it's not your fault, right? Some of you grew up in households where you were abused or you grew up in churches where you were abused or schools or whatever where you, where you didn't have that security that every kid needs. Some of you have been in relationships before that have left you in a spot where you were not safe and you were burned or worse. Some of you, many of you, almost half of you, statistically speaking, are coming from broken homes where one day your parents were together and the next day they weren't. And, and there, be, there came with that an unpredictability in life that removed all sense of security for you. 
And so it's no wonder that you, you the first, the first so-called shepherd, the first hired hand that might say, follow me, I'll give you security. It's no wonder that you would follow them. Because it's a deep need that you have. It's a deep need that you have. The fourth promise that all shepherds give is a promise of the good life. Or, I'll complete you. I will give you everything you need. I will make you whole. Here's one thing that every human being knows about themselves, whether they have the language for it or not. You are broken. You know life is not what you want it to be. You know you are not who you want to be. You might not have the language of sin or the fall or all that biblical Christianese and stuff like that, but you know, you know that there is something wrong. And probably your deepest craving in life is to connect with what we might call the good life or what the Bible calls shalom or what Jesus calls life abundant. Wholeness, completeness, all things as they should be. And so hired hands, shepherd it, it will, will, will cash in on this, will, will go to you and they will say, hey, follow me and I will give you that um, uh, good life. People in this country are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy the idea that they can provide that good life and that your life is worth chasing after that good life in, in the products that they sell, in, the, in, the, in the, the advertisements that they put on social media, on, on, on TV, or on whatever. Like there are people spending a lot of money. There is a lot of money to be made in promising you the good life because we humans are so desperate for this, we will buy it. Hired hands will come to the sheep pen and say, I can, I can take you to wholeness. I can take you to completeness. I can give you everything that you need. I can give you to where you, you lack nothing. I can give you everything in, in that, that life that you've always wanted. I can provide that for you. And, and so we are chomping at the bit. We're ready. We're saying, like, let's go. Let's go with that hired hand. Let's go with that shepherd. And here's the thing. Most of the folks, all save one, the hired hands that would come to the sheep pen and say, come to me and I will give you the good life. I will make you whole. I will give you everything that, I need, that you need. They can't provide it. In fact, that, that's, what, that's what Jesus is saying in this passage is that all four of these promises, they're great promises and, and, they, and they, they, they meet a need, like they, they, they speak to a real deep need. In fact, maybe the top four needs that you have, at least, in, I mean, some of the, the, the deepest needs that you have um, as human beings that you, that you and I have, the deepest needs that we have, they're, 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 they're going after those. They're aiming at those. They're speaking to those. And, and they're speaking our language. And so no wonder that we might follow. No wonder that we might follow other shepherds, that we might um, go with the hired hand. Because the promise sounds good, and it doesn't sound good just because we're sinful and, and fallen and stuff like that. That's why we would go after a hired hand. But the promise sounds good. It sounds enticing. It sounds um, amazing because it is what we need. We do need these things. But what Jesus is saying is that these four things can only be found in him. 
They can only be found in him. Check this out. We're going to pull up John 10, the same passage that we just read. We're going to put it out, and I'm going to read it again. I'm just going to point out how Jesus makes these promises. He makes these promises too. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's the good life. That's, I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you complete. I'm going to um, provide everything that you need. If you were listening to Jesus in the first century, if you were a Jewish listener like this, you know your Bible, you know your Old Testament. When he says, I'm the good shepherd, the first thing that you think of is Psalm 23. And the opening line of Psalm 23 is, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have everything that I need. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you that life. I'm going to give you that life abundant. So he promises the good life. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. So there's no, there's no protection with the hired hand. Implication being, there's protection with me. There's security with me. You don't have to worry about the wolf. You don't have to worry about the danger. I'm here. I will stand in the gap. I will protect you. That's what, that's what Jesus says, right? And, and, so, and then he, he moves on. He keeps going. If we can go to the next screen. He goes on and he says um, in verse 13, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. They're my sheep. I own them. He gives them a people to belong to. He promises a people to belong to. And we're gonna get to the direction to go in just a second. But Jesus promises these things. He gives you these promises. And it's this, just the way he does it in this paragraph. All over the Gospels, all over the New Testament, Jesus is um, promising, I can give you that good life. I can give you that protection, that security that you need from the things that are most dangerous in life. And, and I can give you a people to belong to. I can adopt you into a family. I can call you by my name. Like Jesus makes these promises. So the question is, what's different between Jesus and the hired hand? He says it twice. He says, I lay my life down for my sheep. You see, the hired hands, the so-called shepherds that call your name and say, follow me. The, the, the so-called shepherds who, who come to the sheep pen and say, come, come with me and I will give you the good life. Come with me and I'll provide you that protection that you need, that security that you need. Come with me and I'll give you a people to belong to. I'll give you a name or come with me and, and I'll show you where to go. I'll show you the right direction in life. The, those, those hired hands, they make those promises and, and they look good and they may even be good for a little while. But ultimately, when the wolf comes, when it's no longer in the best interest of the hired hand. You, you see that in the picture? The hired hand is taking care of the sheep. Why? He's been hired to do so. He makes money protecting these sheep. It's in his best interest to do that. But the minute the wolf comes and it is no longer in his best interest to protect the sheep, he flees. Why? Because those sheep are not his. What does he care? The sheep are only there to benefit him. It's his livelihood. It's his living. And when the sheep become a liability, when they no longer meet the needs of the hired hand, that hired hand no longer meets the needs of the sheep. Jesus is different. 
Jesus says, those sheep, they're mine. The difference between Jesus and the hired hand are two things. One, he owns his sheep. They're his. And listen, I need you to know, Christian, in the room, I need you to know that you are his, that he calls you by his name. I am in Christ. I am a son or daughter of God. I am a, 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 a follower of Jesus, an adopted family member of the King of Kings. I'm an heir to the throne. He, he's given me a people to belong to. He's adopted me into his family. I am his. Why, Christian? Because Jesus bought you with a price. He bought you with a price on that cross. He gave everything. And non-Christian, unbeliever, maybe, maybe you're just checking this church thing out. Maybe you came here with a friend and, and uh, that's great. We're really, really glad that you are here and we, we want to get to know you. We want to be able to answer questions and stuff. I need you to know you are not your own. You are, you are not your own. You are not some individual among other individuals who is in no need of a shepherd to guide you. You, you are not your own. You were created. You were created with a purpose. And you were created by a creator who is good and who loves you, who is obsessed with you. He loves you so much that he gave everything so that you, your broken, messy self, can actually become the person he created you to be. He gave everything for that. So Jesus is different because he owns the sheep. They're his. He cares for the sheep. He knows their name. And when he calls, they know his voice. And the other difference is that he lays down his life for his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. You see, the hired hand is unwilling to stand in the gap between the wolf and the sheep. He is unwilling to, to be the protector of the sheep. Jesus goes way beyond that. Jesus didn't just stand in the gap between us and the wolf. He gave, he gave himself up to the wolf. He allowed himself to be consumed by the wolf so that we would not have to. Your broken self, your messy self, and what you deserve is, is death and in destruction, and evil. That's what, that all of our choices and, and who we are and the thoughts that we have and, and stuff, like we have all earned that. If you, if you want to know more about that, go look up the sermons we're doing on Sundays. Like we're going through Romans, like we've, we've just kind of outlined that. Like, what, like the danger that is on us, the wolf, the danger that is on the sheep, we have called that upon ourselves. But Jesus not only just stands between us and the wolf, he allows himself to be consumed by the wolf so that we can live. He gave his life so that we could have life and have it abundantly. And that's not it. He didn't just die. In fact, a couple verses down from the passage that we just read, he says, I gave my life, I laid my life down so that I could take it back up again. 
meaning I have all the authority over death and destruction and evil. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. The wolf can't take my life. I gave my life to the wolf. And what the wolf doesn't know is that I'm coming back, that I'm taking my life back. Jesus, that shepherd, that good shepherd, the one who created you, the one who bought you with a price, that shepherd is not dead. He's alive. And he is still leading you in the direction that you should go. He's still leading you towards um, a, a place a, a, a place where all things are as they should be, what, what the Bible calls the kingdom of God or the new heavens and the new earth. That shepherd is making all of creation into heaven. He's making all of creation into where everything that God wants and all that, all that is good and all that is right is there and all that is bad and all that is painful and all those hired hands that would seduce us and call our name even though they have empty promises, all of those, they're gone and it's just us and the shepherd and we have everything that we need. We are complete. We are whole. You want a direction to go? Why would you go any other way? Jesus is the good shepherd. All other are hired hands. And I am pleading with you. I'm pleading with you to choose Jesus. There are and there will continue to be infinite number of voices calling you and making promises and you will seek, you will be tempted to seek to fulfill real needs that you have, will, real needs that you have by following so-called shepherds that cannot deliver on those promises. But there is one who can and has and will deliver on all of those promises. And that is the good shepherd, the one who knows his sheep and the one who laid his life down for the sheep. Why would you go another way? Let's pray. Father, we really do live in a world filled with hired hands. And God, it is so easy for us to, to follow so-called shepherds that promise the world to us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to learn your voice. that when you call us by name, that we would answer and that we would know who our shepherd is, that we would know who our protector is, who our king is, who, who our way is, who, who has, the, has the good life ready, that life abundant, Father, that we would know and that we would follow. So Father, I pray for the, for the Christian in the room who knows you, 
who has chosen to follow you, Father, but, but in, in the details of life and in, in the different circumstances and the things and, and when, when those needs pop up and, and, and they feel empty, that they feel like those needs are not being met, when they, they feel like um, uh, that you're not you're present or whatever the case may be, God, when they choose the other things, Father, when those, those so-called shepherds, when those hired hands start calling their name and they, and they choose and they, they put their trust in and they go in the direction of those hired hands, Father, I, I pray that you would call louder to them and that you would help them to listen, that you would help them to hear your voice and that they would trust you, knowing that that hired hand can't deliver on the promises that they're making, but you can and you have and you will. And Father, I pray for the unbeliever in the room. I pray for the one who hasn't made that ultimate choice to, to follow the good shepherd. Perhaps this is even the first time they've ever even heard the idea that there are shepherds out there that you could follow. What a strange metaphor for 2022. But Father, I, I, I pray I pray that you, would, that you would call them by name and that you would, that you would draw them into your fold, your flock, that you, would, that you would adopt them into your family, that they, would, that they would follow you knowing that you can deliver on all of those promises. And Father, I pray, I pray tonight that you would help people to respond to your voice. And I pray that you would help them to continue over and over and over again for a lifetime follow your voice because you are where we find our purpose, our direction. You are where we find the people to belong to, our sense of intimacy, our sense of belonging. You are where we find our security. You are where we find the good life, where we find that life abundant, that wholeness, that completeness, that shalom. It's only in you, God. I thank you for being so good. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.